be attentive. Brethren, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that would compel you to be circumcised, and not only in order that they might not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who receive circumcision do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh. But far be it from me to glory, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision. But a new creation. Peace and mercy be upon all who walk by this rule, upon the Israel of God. Henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God sent the Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. Glory to You, O Lord. Glory to You. Peace be to You who read the good tidings and to all the people. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's unusual for me today because I have a stack of papers. 
And I was telling Father Timothy that most of my sermon today is quotes, which means I'll have to look down. And I never do well in sermons when I look down. So uh, don't worry if the delivery is uh, choppy or uncomfortable or disconnected. But do listen to the words, because they're not mine. They're the words of holy fathers who know from great experience much, much more than I could ever know and who are going to tell you much more than I could ever tell you in my own words. But I have chosen today for two reasons to speak about the priesthood. And I have never given a sermon on the priesthood. One reason is because we are honoring Father Timothy on the 20th anniversary of his priesthood. We have his father-in-law who uh, has been a priest as long as both Father Timothy and I together. And uh, that's not a short time if you add those two. So uh, we are honoring the priesthood because we have one who has served 20 years and another who has served almost his entire life in the office of the priesthood. Also, the second reason is because of the gospel passage. We have all heard many, many, many times John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. And you might say, well, what does the love of God have to do with the priesthood? And I would say it has everything to do with the priesthood. Because when Jesus, after his resurrection, walked specifically with Peter, the chief among his apostles, on the beach, he asked Peter three times, one time for each time that Peter had denied him. Peter, do you love me? And he knew the answer to that question. And each time that Peter said, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you, Peter was told, Then tend my sheep. And so, a sign of the love of God for the church is that God did not spare His own Son, but He loved the world so much that He sacrificed His Son out of that love, and the Son out of his love for the Father and his love for the whole of his creation, willingly sacrificed himself and shed his blood to purchase his sheep and to entrust them to Peter and the other apostles and their successors, the priests. And so we, not just the priests, but all of us who are part of the royal priesthood, We understand the love of God because He did not leave us orphans, but He has manifested His priesthood through the flesh and blood of those who are ordained to participate in. And each of us show our love for God in return if we take care of each other in a unique way among the ordained priesthood, but nevertheless in a similar way among the royal priesthood of all believers. And so, because it's very uncomfortable for me to talk about an office of which I am serving in, and very unworthy of, you're going to hear mainly from two fathers of the church, St. John Chrysostom and St. Gregory the Theologian. 
and they have written treaties on the priesthood, both of them for the same reason. St. John Chrysostom wrote six books, little books, chapters on the priesthood because he knew that he was to be elevated, I think, from a deacon to a bishop. Obviously, he would have gone deacon to a presbyter to a bishop, but it was going to happen like that. And he and his friend knew this about them both. And he tricked his friend into getting ordained, but he hid himself and was not ordained right away. And his friend came to him and he said, Why did you trick me? And why weren't you ordained when we agreed that whether we were ordained or not, whatever we did, we would do together? And so St. John then wrote his six chapters on the priesthood in great detail, talking about the priesthood and the fact that he truly believed that he was unworthy of it. St. Gregory was forcibly ordained. They tricked him, including Basil the Great, his best friend, and they tied him to one of the posts of the altar, and he and another bishop and his dad, who was a bishop, ordained him, even though he did not want to be ordained. And so he fled to a place like Joseph, Oregon, out in Timbuktu. (laughs) And he hid there. And he prayed. And he says in his treaties that he went back and forth, back and forth. Should I be obedient? Because I fear God and I know the penalty for disobedience. Or should I follow my heart and knowing that I'm unworthy, not go back. And so after this wrestling match between one side of him and the other, both honorable, both trying to do God's will, he came back. But he wrote a treatise called My Defense of My Flight to Pontus. And so you're going to hear from them talking about the priesthood even though they knew that they were unworthy. St. Gregory the theologian says this the guiding of men as priests is the art of arts and science of sciences for this science deals not with the perishable body but with the soul which comes from God and is divine and partakes of the heavenly nobility He says that the scope of the art is to provide the soul with wings, to rescue it from the world and give it to God, to watch over that which is in God's image, to take it by the hand if it is in danger and if it is damaged to restore it, to make Christ dwell in the heart by the Holy Spirit. And in short, the purpose of the priesthood is to deify in the life of the flock and bestow heavenly bliss upon each person who belongs to the heavenly host. St. John Chrysostom goes on further and says that an aspect of the art of arts is protecting the sheep from spiritual warfare. And he says the priest, his fight is not with wolves, his fear is not of robbers, his care is not to protect the flock from pestilence, Well then, against whom is the war? With whom is the battle? Listen to St. Paul, St. John Chrysostom says, 
Our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against the world rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So about this warfare, Chrysostom continues to say, Anyone who undertakes to fight against these enemies must know their arts. He must be at the same time archer and slinger, cavalry officer and infantry officer, private soldier and general, marine and engineer. Unless the priest means to win, he must under unless the priest means to win, understand it means he must understand every aspect of the art. For the devil knows how to introduce his agents at a single neglected spot to plunder the flock. But the devil is baffled when he sees that the shepherd has mastered his whole repertoire and thoroughly understands his tricks. Unless you think that the evil one is only concerned about attacking the sheep, St. John makes it clear that this is not the case when he says, They do not leave the shepherd alone but they attack him all the more. The demons act with daring and do not give up until they either throw the priest down or are beaten themselves. And any priest or presbytera and many children of priests and presbyteras certainly know that they have targets all over them, not just on their chest, but on their back as well. For this reason, St. John Chrysostom says, quote, The shepherd needs great wisdom, and he needs a thousand eyes to examine the soul's condition, both his own and that of his sheep, from every possible angle. He goes on further to say that he needs a heroic spirit, not to grow despondent or neglect the salvation of the wanderers, but to keep on thinking to keep on praying, and to keep on saying, quote, It is always possible that God may give them the knowledge of the truth, and that they may be freed from the snare of the devil. Remember, just as the priest celebrates the Holy Sacrament of Marriage, where he participates in the High Priesthood of Christ who unites the bride and the groom, So too, as a priest of the church, he, in participating in that same high priesthood of Christ, celebrates the greater mystery between Christ the bridegroom and the bride his church, between the body with its head. Again, listen to the words of St. John Chrysostom in speaking about the priest. We are talking about the very body of Jesus. For the Church of Christ is Christ's own body, according to St. Paul, and the man who is entrusted with it must train it, meaning Christ's body, the Church, to perfect health and to incredible beauty, by unremitting vigilance, to prevent the slightest spot or wrinkle or other blemish of that sort from marring its grace and loveliness. Sounds like the words of the Epistle when referring to how the husband should treat his wife. 
In short, the priest must make it worthy as far as lies within his power of that pure and blessed head to which it is subjected. Unquote. So the office of priesthood is given honor by the church because it is a participation in the one high priesthood of Christ. In the Orthodox Church, there is only one priest. Even though Father Andrew and Father Timothy and yours truly are ordained to participate. Deacon Innocent as well as a deacon. Metropolitan Yerasimos and Bishop Apostolos as hierarchs. But Christ is the priest. When the priest blesses, it's Christ's peace you receive. When you venerate the hand of the priest or the bishop, it's Christ's hand. When the priest calls down the Holy Spirit, it's Christ who calls down the Holy Spirit. When he blesses the water, it's Christ who blesses the water, the oil, the bread, the wine, the person. But, like all of the holy mysteries, God uses an aspect of His creation to mystically participate in Him and His grace, thereby transferring that grace and His presence in a very real way to the church. And so, we as priests are honored because we participate and make present the high priesthood of Christ. For this reason, St. John Chrysostom says the following things about the priesthood. The work of the priesthood is done on earth, but it is ranked among heavenly ordinances. And this is only right, for no man, no angel, no archangel, no other created power but the Holy Spirit Himself ordained this succession from Christ to the apostles and from the apostles to their successors and persuaded men, while still in the flesh, to represent this angelic ministry. Again he says, and listen closely to this, For earth's inhabitants, having their life in this world, have been entrusted with the stewardship of heavenly things, and have received an authority which God has not given to angels or archangels. Not to them was it said, Whatever things you bind on earth shall be bound also in heaven, and whatever you lose shall be loosed. Those who are earthly kings and lords on earth have indeed the power to bind, but only men's bodies. But this binding touches the very soul and reaches through heaven. What priests do on earth, so says St. John Chrysostom, God ratifies in heaven. What priests do on earth, God ratifies in heaven. Pretty powerful. I don't know about you, but it makes me very fearful. St. John continues to say, For if a man cannot enter the kingdom of heaven, except to be born again of water and the Spirit, and if he that does not eat the Lord's flesh and drink his blood is cast out of everlasting life, and all these things can happen through no other agency except the sacred hands of the priests. How can anyone without their help escape the fire of Gehenna or win his appointed crown? St. Gregory the Theologian echoes this same sentiment when he says, quote, A priest is entrusted with the rule over human souls, 
and holds the office of mediator between God and man. Now I want you to realize that although these things are true, no priest, if he is in his right mind, ever, for a moment, feels worthy. St. John, I mean, St. Gregory the theologian, in, in talking about the qualifications of the priesthood and trying to defend why he had fled to Pontus because he felt unworthy, listen to what he says. And every priest who hears this, every bishop who hears this, every deacon who hears this shudders because we know to some degree that it is untrue about us. We're in the process of trying, but we know we fall short. He says, a man, in order to be a priest, must himself be cleansed before cleansing others. Himself become wise, that he may make others wise. Become light, and then give light. Draw near to God, and so bring others near. Become holy, then share that holiness with them. Be possessed of hands, in order to lead others by the hand. Possess wisdom, in order to give advice. We know that in the church, no one is worthy. There's a prayer in the Divine Liturgy that the priest says amongst those who are celebrating, and it's not meant for your ears. It's meant for the celebrant. And it begins, Udis Axios. No one is worthy. The priest is reminding himself that although he stands before the Holy Altar, Although he touches with his hands the holy things, although he distributes those holy things to you, he is not worthy. Udis axios. In the ordination service, we hear this prayer as the deacon, who is the candidate to be made a priest, is kneeling at the corner of the altar and the bishop has placed his stole and his hands over his head and he is about to be ordained. The bishop says, The divine grace which always heals that which is infirm and supplies that which is lacking ordains at one time Timothy, the deacon, to be a priest. Therefore, let us pray for him that the grace of the All-Holy Spirit may come upon him. A little later in that same service of ordination from deacon to priest, the bishop again laying his hands on the newly ordained presbyter says, O God, great in power and inscrutable in wisdom, wondrous in counsels above the sons of men, Do you yourself, O Lord, fill with the gift of your Holy Spirit this man, whom you are pleased to advance to the priestly office, that he may be worthy to stand blamelessly before your altar, to proclaim the gospel of your kingdom, to minister sacredly the word of your truth, to offer to you spiritual gifts and sacrifices, and to renew your people through the font of regeneration that when he shall go to meet you at the second coming of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son, he may receive the reward of a good steward of his rank, according to the multitude of your goodness. There's a point in the Divine Liturgy where the celebrant 
right after the deacon says, let us be attentive. In other words, pay attention. Something very holy and special is about to happen. The celebrant then says, the holy gifts for the holy people of God. And he takes the lamb that has been prepared and consecrated, that is participating in the very body of Christ himself, and he raises it up. Now I want you to remember in Isaiah chapter 6 that there is a vision of Isaiah of the heavenly places. And on the altar table is a burning coal. And God is seeking someone to make worthy, to send out as a prophet amongst His people. And Isaiah, all of a sudden, because he has a vision of God, realizes his unworthiness. And he said, I am an unclean and unworthy man, and I dwell in the midst of an unclean and unworthy people. And God says, who shall I send? And there's no one to answer. And so God commands the seraphim that is flying around his altar to go to the holy altar and with tongs take the burning coal that is on that altar and to go and touch Isaiah's lips and his mouth and to make him worthy. And when Isaiah has that touch to his person, he says, Behold, this has touched my lips and has made me clean and forgiven me of my transgressions. Two things are very important in this vision that we receive in Isaiah 6. One, that even the seraphim are not worthy, even though they are high in the hierarchy of the the bodiless powers, to touch the burning coal that is a type of the Lamb of God that sits on our altar. They're not worthy to touch it with their hands. And yet the priest or the bishop, made worthy, is able to touch it. Secondly, that it's only God who can take an unclean person who dwells in the midst of an unclean people and make him worthy to be sent out among the people. And it is God that makes human beings, flesh and blood, men who are unworthy to be made worthy to participate mystically in his high priesthood. And that is what we are celebrating when we celebrate the anniversary of a priest. And I want to quote as a closing comment what St. Gregory the theologian closed his defense of his flight to Pontus with. It's a prayer. And it's his prayer. It's my prayer. It's all priests' prayer. May the God of peace, who sets kings upon thrones and raises up the poor out of the dust and lifts the beggar from the dunghill, who chose David his servant and took him away from the sheepfolds, even though he was the least and youngest of the sons of Jesse, who gave the word to those who preached the gospel with great power. May he himself hold his priests by their right hand and guide them with his counsel and receive them with glory, who is a shepherd to shepherds and a guide to guides that all his priests may feed his flock with knowledge, that through them he may give strength and power to his people and may present his flock 
resplendent, spotless, and worthy of the sheepfold on high. And in the habitation of them that rejoice in the splendor of the saints, so that in his holy table, temple, everyone, both the flock and the shepherds, together may say, Glory in Christ Jesus our Lord, to whom be all glory forever and ever. Amen. Happy anniversary, Father Timothy.